Hi, I'm Keith McMahon. Welcome to this podcast episode of Doxology Matters, where we desire to help Christians think deeply about God's Word as we praise Him. And today, I'm really excited to be joined by my friend and great brother, Pastor Kevin Jones, a local pastor serving in Hampton Roads. Good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Keith. Excited to be here. Yeah, how long have you been in ministry? I think it's been about 12 years now. I've been doing lots of different things. I was in a church uh, in college and seminary, then I went full-time in South Carolina, and then I moved up here to Hampton about uh, two years ago. Okay, so about full-time, how long? Yeah, full-time ministry has been roughly five years or so. Okay. Five, maybe closing closing in on six, I think. So you did a bachelor's? Um... Yes. You actually got a bachelor's degree in music. Uh, so I was music, uh, music ministry, worship ministry, something I really loved, and then Started to realize it was more youth ministry, so I just I got a biblical stu- studies degree from Liberty, and once I really uh, realized, you know, God's called me to student ministry, I went and got a doctorate in family ministry at Southern Seminary. Wow! And for those of you that are listening, it is the Southern Baptist yes. Theological Seminary <laughs> in Kentucky, the. as known as the flagship seminary. Yes. Well, we're glad to have you, uh, and we want to talk specifically today about what family worship looks like. And uh, you have shared with me that you wrote your uh, dissertation on family worship. Could you just share the thesis and maybe your target audience with us? Sure. Yeah. I the the difference between the dissertation I did and one for like a PhD that would be completely research is mine was about half research and then half of it was an implementation at a local church. So I. Uh, developed a curriculum for a for a, a class for parents to learn how to disciple their their children to learn how to do family worship. And then I taught that class at my church in South Carolina. It's called Fair Forest Baptist Church, and so that was my target audience. Uh, was that group that group of parents? And I had ten families represented in that class, and they took a survey before and a survey after, and I used all of that information in uh, it's kind of in the latter parts of that dissertation. Wow, so that's the practical aspect of it. Was it the D-Man? Yeah, it was a, it's a doctor of educational ministry, so it's kind of a take on the D-Man that adds uh, an education aspect to it. Okay. What was your hope to gain personally throughout? I know when we study, uh, the Lord teaches us things that we're studying for a particular purpose, but he teaches us along the way. What What was kind of your hopes about what God would do in you, and what, what did he do in you? Yeah, uh, as often happens in something like that, what I hoped from the beginning was different and better than, well, what I got at the end was better than what I had hoped for. Uh, you know, I just really hoped for uh, more knowledge and just to learn how to be a better minister, better youth pastor. What I, I, I got that, I feel I got that, but I also learned how to be a better dad. Uh, you know, I was in this program as I was starting to be a dad. My son uh, was about one one year, one or two years old when I finished up. Um, and yeah, just personally, the things that I gained, the, the friends that I made in that program that we walked through together, uh, just gained a knowledge of God's Word and a knowledge of what it means to be a faithful parent, to be a faithful minister. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you know, we are people of God's Word, and everything we do should have a biblical root to it. What are some key scriptural texts that as you're working on your, uh, your thesis that really were central to your um, practical flowing out from? Yeah, the the uh, the two main, I focused on four uh, passages from 
uh, from the Word of God for uh, my dissertation. The two main ones that focused on sp- uh, specifically family worship, uh, Deuteronomy 6 is probably the most popular verse, uh, ver- po- most popular passage on family worship. Uh, I'll just read a little bit of it. Um, uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And those first two verses, uh, we may recognize those are the verses that when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? This is what he read. This is what he quotes, is this right here. So we would be right to, to really pay attention to what's said. And then after that, in verse 6 of chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, it says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So we take that verse saying, well, this is written to parents, not to ministers specifically. So we see here at the beginning that it's a, a call, exhortation to us to love the Lord our God with all our yes, our heart, our soul, our mind, but also as the text move forward, it's an exhortation for us as families to care for our children. How many would you say, out of 100, would you say families have a worship time or a devotional time? I would say anywhere. So if you take take a group of 100 people, 100 uh parents, groups of parents at a church, my best guess would be anywhere, like maybe 10, do a specific every week, we're going to meet together and have a family worship time. Now, I'd say a larger majority of those talk about, like thing, like it says, talk about them while you walk by the way, while you lie down when you rise. Of course, they're going to talk about God. They're going to relate life things to God and uh, point to him and his word uh, throughout the week. But as far as specific, we are sitting down and this is our family worship time. Uh, not very many people do that, I don't think. Um, however, you take pull that same group of 100, I'd say close to 100% of them would say we should do that. Hmm. How many? That was my next follow-up question. How many would you say dads walk around and feel like, man, I'm really neglecting my family because I don't have a time where we all gather together and sing and pray and read a scripture together. Would you say that many guys struggle with that as they lead their families? I would say the ones that know that they should do it struggle with it by not knowing how to do it. Would be the their biggest hindrance would be I don't I want to do that, but I have no idea how. I don't know even know where to start. The other side of that is there's dads who or or parents of, you know, moms too. They don't even know that they should do that. Because of something that I call outsourcing. Parents, you know, they, they're going to outsource their kids' education uh, to a school. They're going to outsource their sporting. I'm not a sports guy, really. I don't really play sports, but I love to watch them. But, Except the Braves. Yeah, yeah, I love the Braves. Good. Yeah. yeah, sad. Yeah, but it's okay. Uh, you know, they're going to send them to a coach. They're going to send uh, for music. They're going to send their kids to a music teacher. So they think, oh, well, I need my kid discipled and to grow in their faith. I'm going to send them to church which is great. They should do that. But that idea of outsourcing in our society has led to parents who think, well, I don't need to do any discipling. That's what the church is for. And when it really should be a combination of both, uh, the church and uh, the kids are being discipled at church and at home. So that would be, I'd say, as far as hindrances go, if they know they should do it, they don't know how. And some of them just don't even know that they should. Where do you think we, and what point in history do you think that began to slide? Do you think as we approach the consumer age of 
uh, yeah, the consumer age where parents and families are just wanting to receive and plug their kids into things that the family discipleship maybe took a back seat or has it always took a back seat? Like I think about the Reformation, what that looked like for Martin Luther caring for his family. Uh, from my reading, I know he really tried to, to do that. Uh, where, where do you think that really started to, to change as far as emphasis in the home? I, uh, in all the research that I did for this project, uh, what I found was that it's never been done well and ne- never been done perfectly. And uh, one of the things that one of my professors, Timothy Paul Jones, who is one of the uh, one of the foremost writers in this topic right now, uh, in the class that I had with him, one of the th- things he said is the the glorious past that we should look to for when family worship was done perfectly was Eden before the fall. That's the last time it was done right. Uh, so, yeah, I think there is an aspect of the consumerism in our society and this idea of outsourcing. I think that's affected it some, but I did readings from books that were published in 1910 that they were pointing parents are not doing this. So as far back as a century ago, uh, even before that, you know, this has always been something that church leaders have said, this needs to happen more, and it's just not happening enough. Well, that's really helpful to think about. Uh, back to the beginning, right before the garden, that that was in that would be in perfect alignment. And since the fall, where we, we see that reality played right. out, I know just personally, our family has had we call it family worship time, right. and we'll go in seasons of you know a week we're meeting together, we sing, read a scripture, and we'll have a time of prayer, and we'll do that for a while, and then it'll kind of peter out. Right. And sometimes my kids will say, hey, Dad, what about family worship? I'm like, yeah, we need to right. get back to that. And uh, so, yeah, it, um, I have experienced that same kind of thing of walking like, I know I need to be doing this. But it's also encouraging to hear that the scripture in Deuteronomy about it's as you're going right. along the way yes. that we are still feeding and caring for our family along as we go. That's right. Yeah. One of my mentors, uh, the the first church that I worked at in college and seminary, uh, Pastor Dane Skelton in South Boston, Virginia, one of the things he told me he always do with his kids is if they would watch any movie, uh, after at the end of the movie, he would ask questions. Okay, how does this relate to a biblical worldview? What did, you, what did this make you think? What did this make you think? And he said, as his kids got older... They would say, Dad, I, I can't believe you made us do that. Now I can't watch a movie without thinking those things. But I think his doing of that was following this as you're walking, as you're doing things, as you're just going about life. These are the things you should talk about and be thinking about. And for him, he instilled that in his children to where that's how they think now. And I think that is, in a lot of ways, that's equally as important as having a specific time of family worship. That's excellent, man. Yeah. Excellent. Um, when we think about shepherding in our home, we think about that. Um, who is responsible for the shepherding aspect in a in a home? Like, right. Yeah. Who would you say that? See, we. Uh, I'll also, as we talk about this, I want to point us to a New Testament passage where the Apostle Paul speaks on this uh, in Ephesians. He talks about this. If I can find Ephesians, you'd think I would know all the seminary I have. Here it is, Ephesians chapter six. Uh, parents love Ephesians 6, verse 1, that says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Hey, uh, great. Yeah, we can all agree with that as parents, right? Uh, verse 2 goes on, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. So he's quoting from the Ten Commandments there. But then it goes on. This is a culturally, culturally, uh, just it, it goes against what you would expect in this culture of the day. Uh, now fathers are addressed and says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, 
but instead bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So you see, Paul puts the responsibility on fathers, and I'd say on both sets of parents. I would say it, it equally falls because one of the demographics I worked with um, a lot in at Fair Forest when I did my project, so we had uh, a lot, we had a high percentage of single parents at that church. So we would say, yes, God gave this command to fathers. We see Paul writing him, but does not discount mothers and the work that single moms do, their kids' lives. Uh, but so I, yeah, the word there is specific to fathers that Paul uses, but you know, I don't think we can't discount what mothers do as well. So yeah, I'd say it's the parents' responsibility, but I also think there's a church responsibility to equip those parents to do that. Mm. So if there's a, a dear uh, sister who is uh, maybe a single mom caring for her children, she can still apply this to uh, if the father is not in the home of, yeah. of caring for her little ones right. with God's word. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that's the other verse that I used in my dissertation was in uh, the first chapter of James, where it speaks about caring for the orphan and widow. And we just talked about, you know, single single parents have effectively been widowed, uh, either by death or by another means. And uh, that word orphan can mean fatherless or motherless. So we, as the church, are commanded to care for those people. And as a result of one of the great things about the result of that project is we I talked about that and I talked about how um, children of single moms need positive father figures in their lives. One of the things that I didn't initiate, the other people in the class said, hey, yeah, this is great. We need to have a guy's camp out where we invest and disciple these young boys at our church. And that was that was a great, uh, to me, it's like, hey, the word of God was speaking to people in that class. And that was a great result of that class that we had. That's all. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah um how frequent would you say that we should think about having, if we have family worship in the home, how, how frequent do you think would be wise? Every day, every, you know, once a week? What do you think would be some benchmarks to dads in the church that are listening to this thinking, how can I take steps towards a more faithful shepherd in the home? Right. And you'll, if you, you'll read anything from, there's a uh, Presbyterian author named Joel Beek that recommends uh, – twice a day in the morning and in the evening. Uh, that is far too ambitious for some. I, yeah, may, that may be the ideal, but again, in our in our society, that sometimes is not possible. I, I like to tell people at least do it once a week, but the biggest thing that I say is do what you will do consistently. Whatever it is that you can do and your family can consistently commit to, that's what you should do. I think it's a great idea to do it once a week at least. Um, there's obviously nowhere in in Scripture that specifically says that, but again, if you're not sitting down every week if you're not, or every day and having a family worship time, you should at least be talking about these things as you walk, as you go along the way. Wow. That's, that's encouraging. It is convicting at the same right. time. It, I, it absolutely is, yeah. I think it's Martin Lloyd-Jones, some kind of uh, – he, he's uh, his commentary on Ephesians 6.4, uh, he just talks about, we're the guardians and custodians of the souls of our children. What a dread responsibility. I'm uh, quoting uh, from memory, but it's essentially, yeah, what a dread responsibility we have. We are the guardians and custodians of the souls of our children, and that is, it's humbling, uh, but it's also part of the promise that God gives us uh, by His Spirit to enable us to do that. Mm, wow, that's a rich quote. Um, I remember when we were doing family worship when our my kids were a little bit younger, 
and the littlest one was not always engaged. Right, and that is a challenge. Yeah. She was a little fussy and, you know, would sometimes go upstairs if she didn't like the time and the way right. things were going. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you ever had any experiences like that to like, I'm not doing family worship right now? Oh, yeah. My, so my, my kids are still, I have a three and a half year old son and a one year old daughter. Um, and so, yeah, when they're very young, it's more difficult. And especially when you have a wide range of, of kids and kids of different ages, uh, you do what you can do. I mean, that's really, but I think what we should remember something that Al Mohler said, and I know you know Al Mohler very, you know, know of his work, but he says, uh, the word of God uh, can reach places where we cannot go. And he, he talks about how, yeah, just speaking and doing these things consistently, it, the word of God's going into little ears that may not comprehend aside from the spirit of God. And we have to trust him for that. Um, and I've seen this in both of my kids' lives when we were, uh, when we first had had our son, he was probably about one year old. Uh, we were living in South Carolina. Uh, we had a small little house, didn't even have a dining room table. So we would eat dinner uh, sitting at our counter and he'd be in his high chair. And every night uh, I'd grab one of his hands and my wife would grab his other hand and we'd hold hands and we'd pray. So we did that just all the time. He had no idea what was going on. But uh, until, and I, I didn't really think much of it until one night we sat down to dinner and he reached his hands out to us and sa- as to say, hey, we, this is what we do when we eat. And he was one year old. He didn't know what we were doing. And then my daughter's recently, we did something similar with her, um, you know, because we're trying to teach my son to pray and he's, uh, he's learning, he's doing that. But now we say, all right, we're going to pray. And we put our hands together in the praying position. And now our daughter, our one-year-old daughter is doing that as well. So you just see if doing things consistently like that and your children just seeing you do those things, it's going somewhere. They're learning things even now, even when they're young. So again, I think it's just consistently choosing to do something and choosing to say, I'm going to disciple and I'm going to do these things, even if it's difficult. Yeah. And if uh, that's helpful. And if we miss a week, we just got to get back up on the horse and ride. And the goal, like you said, you talked about, hey, dad, you remember when we did family worship? What a great, I mean, what a great goal. It's like, yeah, my kids, I did this so consistently, my kids expect it and want it now. Yeah. And that I think is where we should try to get to. As you think about books that you studied in your preparation, what books would you recommend to to dads that uh, might want to grow in this? I know uh, Don Whitney. Yes, some, yeah, Don on. Whitney. His family worship is very good. Yep, small volume. Is, yep, it's very easy to read. That's more of a. I'd, I'd say that, that's helpful in the sense that it's a, this is why we do this. This is kind of some guidelines to follow. One very practical uh, source is called Faith Conversations for Families. And the, I'm blanking on the author. I could probably look it up on my phone here in a second. But that is, it has 52, uh, 52 lessons that you can do at home. And it's, sorry, I'm looking this up on my phone because I really want to say what the author's name is and I'm blanking. But yeah, it's 52. So it's one per week for a year of faith conversations that you can have uh, with with your kids. And so that that's a great one. And I am going to find this, I promise. Um Here's the website. Here it is. All right. And I, ha- I have some sources on my website, kevinclarkjones.com, under Family Ministry Resources. These things are here. It is Faith Conversations for Families by Jim Burns. There we okay, go. So Jim, Jim Burns is the author of that. That's a great place to start because, yeah, it's just, okay, I'm going to have a one week. I have something every week for a year right here in this book. So that's a great practical resource. Like you said, Family Worship by Don Whitney. Uh, there's a book by Ted Tripp called Shepherding a Child's Heart. If you heard of that one, that one's very good. There's also some great free online resources. Uh, again, I linked to this on my website here uh, to 
Sojourn Church in Louisville, Kentucky. That's uh, Timothy Paul Jones' church. They put a lot of stuff together for kids from birth to eighth grade uh, to do. Uh, they have something called the North Star Catechism, uh, which that sounds like a scary word, catechism to us Baptists. But, uh, yeah, it's just a question-and-answer series. They can start when they're three, and it just kind of adds on until they're in eighth grade, just going through some of the basics of the faith. So there are resources out there, and I do think it's the responsibility of the church to to put those in parents' hands. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to go to Pastor Kevin's website for resources. Um, John MacArthur, uh, I've heard it shared that he uh, has made in his family's life for their children, they always have hymns playing in the house. Uh, should singing be a part of family life? If so, uh, what types of songs should we sing? Do you guys sing as you uh, meet together in your right. family worship time or as you travel to the store and back? Yeah, we we try to, yeah. Uh, my So my son is obsessed with the sh- uh, soundtrack from The Greatest Showman, if you're familiar with that. Okay. It's a great movie. He just loves that soundtrack. Uh, and he, I mean, and he knows every word to every song. And it makes me think, man, I wish I could just, I, I need to get him to listen to Christian music so he could do this, the same thing as well. But yeah, it's just, it's what he really loves, what he really enjoys. But what that does show me is how much music uh, gets into his heart and into his head. So that, that reminds me, yes, singing should be an important part of what we do. Uh, you know, I've, I have a guitar at home. Obviously, I can play guitar if we want. We do that sometimes. Um, do okay. My kids like just, you know, they like playing. They're bad at it, but they love playing guitar. Um, my, they're really good at brass instruments, which is weird. So they just, I don't know why that is. But so music is a big part of our lives and we want it to be. Um, and the great news is if you're not musical, uh, there's this great website called YouTube out there that has worship songs with lyric slides. And what a great way to worship as a family. What a great, I th- you know, what a great resource, a free resource to say, yeah, you know what? I'm not musical, but I want to sing together. Let's just bring up this video, this worship song on YouTube. And if it's live worship or just a lyric video. Uh, so, yeah, there's plenty of resources. Um, you know, one of the things that I, uh, in my research, I found there was a, uh, someone was writing about the difference between contemporary and music and hymns. And we were obviously not getting into that. But one of the things that he said was, uh, he was arguing we should have more hymns in church. And he said, you know, he was somewhere where they only did contemporary music. And this this father came up and said, I'm just sad that my kids will will never hear hymns anymore. And so the, his point was, churches should do hymns. And I read that and I thought, why don't you do hymns at home? Why don't you sing songs at home? You, th- don't count on that. But to me, that mindset was showing that outsourcing of, okay, only the church can do music, which uh, is just not true. Right. Everyone can do this and should do this. Oh, uh, wow, that's really yeah. thoughtful. That's a good point about um, other resources that we have, because I know there's families out there listening to think, man, I can't play an instrument or I can't sing. And right. Maybe my wife can't either, or we're just not a musical family, so right. what do we do? Well, um, we have those resources yes. like uh, YouTube, or you can go to gettymusic.com and listen to is, yeah. uh, rich Christ-centered songs or Sovereign Grace Absolutely. Ministries or many other uh, City of Light in Australia, really great yeah, ministries great. Yep. that wrote Only a Holy God. Uh, Stuart Town and Andrew Peterson, uh, Laura Story's got great songs that we can listen to and uh, sing along. Because we do see, even though we're some of us may not be musical, right? 
we see uh, many commands in Scripture yes. to sing and use our voice uh, to praise God, even if we're not musical. That command is not written just for those that That's like right. music. It Absolutely. is for the redeemed, born-again Christian to praise God with. Yes, without a doubt. Um, yeah. What would you say to dads? One maybe encouraging word that if you could have any father or a group of dads in the room that you would say, man, guys, be mindful of this. What would you say? I would just say be mindful of your time would be the biggest thing because that is one of the biggest hindrances that I've found is, well, we just don't have time, especially uh, parents of older kids, teenagers. Well, you know, we're at, we're at dance this night with our daughter and our son has soccer practice here and all, and all of those things are great things. But if you're doing so much as a family that you just don't have time to sit down together, even at dinner and have a family worship time just during a meal one night a week, you're just too busy. And so my goal for me as my kids get older is to just not be that busy. I want my kids to be involved in things and succeed at things. Of course I do. Every good parent should want that. But, you know, they their faith in God is more important than any success in anything earthly that they will have. And we just we as parents have to remember that because I just naturally want everything, the best thing for everything for my kids, every single thing in life that they can possibly have. But, you know, what use is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? So we should, our first priority should be the faith of our children, speaking to them the words of truth. Uh, And then, of course, in that, you know, you can have a faith talk driving to the baseball field for practice. Of course, you can do things like that. Those are important things. You shouldn't neglect those things that God has given us as good. But don't neglect the word of God in favor of the things of the world. Mm, Amen to that. Uh, we were talking at lunch today about marriage and uh, being married and some of our uh, guys that are working production. We're talking about uh, the value, the the why, and what that looks like. Is now I've been married since um, January 4th, 2003. Mm-hmm, right. I believe that's right. Uh, yeah, Joy, hope so. I hope you're uh, not listening. <laughs> um, but our wives are a gift from God. Absolutely. And man, uh, has God used my wife to encourage me in the faith and marriage is a tool that God uses to sanctify us. Absolutely. And uh, so when we think about caring for our wives, this treasure that God's given us, uh, maybe what's some uh, encouraging word? I can think of a couple of scriptures that come sure. to mind. Uh, right. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Yep. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Yeah, and that's right before this passage in Ephesians 6. That And that's one I would point to. It's like how... How great a responsibility we as husbands have. I mean, we're supposed to love our wives the way that Christ loved the church and died for it for her. And that that response, you know, that responsibility is beyond what we are humanly capable of. And I think that's the weight that I feel when I read that verse is there is no way that I could ever love anyone the way that Christ loves not only me, but the the whole church. And yet that's the command I've given. Uh, but what we have in that is the the Holy Spirit to help us with that. Um, and one of the things that I can't remember if it was a blog post or a book that shattering your kid-centered universe, remembering that the most important relationship in your home is your marriage and not because uh, it's just so easy. Uh, I remember when my daughter was just born and of course there are seasons where this is going to happen. My wife and I talked about uh, feeling like ships passing in the night and that can happen sometimes, but just don't let your marriage stay there. Your marriage should be the first and foremost relationship in the family. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, man. If you're a dad listening, 
Uh, I would just say, uh, be careful about how you uh, love and care for your wife. Don't lord over her. Be a humble servant uh, man that cares for your wife. And and just as Pastor Kevin said, it's it's in step with the spirit that we're able to care for this treasure that God's given Absolutely. us yeah. in a way that honors them, honors the Savior, and then our children see that and will want to model that as they get older. Absolutely. It's been such a joy to have you. Thank you for being here on this uh, second episode yeah. of Doxology Matters. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. You bet.